Pastor Day, yeah? Man, look at somebody next to you say, you look good. And you do. You're a good church. If you're joining us online, welcome to Hope Point. Yeah, I am so thankful. Um, I was in, uh, outside of Nashville preaching last week at a church, and my wonderful bride, Pastor Amy, she just, she just killed it. Can we give it up for her? She crushed it. I just brought this back in her honor because it just seems fitting. That we, I, I felt like maybe I'd just preach from here. I don't know about you. Get comfortable and rested at the same time. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this. But yeah, Amy said I shouldn't do that. So, you know, I just, I just felt like I would, I would do it anyway. But, um, you know, that game. But uh, I'm so thankful just for our team and everybody um, that, that makes the dream work here. And, and it's amazing to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ. And do all that God wants us to do. And so I want you to know today, uh, you didn't come here just to check off a list or say, hey, I'm coming to church. You came to meet with the living God, right? You came to meet with the living God and, and God loves you so much that he had more in plan and in store for you than, than you thought he did. I love what David writes. He says, you prepare a table before me. You know, even in the midst of your enemies, you can eat good in God. That's a message all in itself, but God set a good table for you today. And so how many of you are ready for the word? Come on. It's his word that matters, brings transformation. Now look at the other person next to you and say, you look pretty good in church too. <laughs> With some conviction, church, people are going to get offended, you know? Bow your heads with me today. Father God, we just... We thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to have fun in your house, that we're your kids and you're our heavenly father and you love us. And God, for every person here, Father, for people that are here for the first time and maybe trying to find a home church, Lord, your word says you put the solitary in families. God, your design was family. Father, from the beginning, God, you had family in mind. And Lord, for all those that are here today, I just pray and those online that you would impart something you would give us something that we need to bring us closer to you, to make us look more like you, to lead us into a greater sense of abundant life, Jesus, that you came to give. So we honor you today, God, and we thank you that you're with us, that you're for us, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for those that have made a decision to follow you and go public with their declaration through baptism. We just honor them today and your work in their life. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Just if you're new to church, it means uh, I agree, so let it be. So today, um, I want to continue this, this concept of rest. And um, I heard Amy was uh, letting out all the family secrets on my dad. It's so funny. He still was shaking his arm in the hotel bed last week with me trying to get his steps in. He's hilarious. Uh, but um, uh, I, I want to wanna dialogue with you a little bit because I'm going to talk a little bit between, about the difference between rest and comfortability. And I think that that's important. That's why this chair is out here. But um, I'll, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to a few places today. Acts 20 verse 7 
is where we're going to start. We're going to start with this really weird passage of Scripture. Have you ever read a passage of Scripture and you're like, why is that in there? Like, what does that mean? And um, this passage is a little bit like that. But how many of you know that if it's in there, it's in there for a reason, right? Yeah, that all scriptures God breathed, it's useful for us. And so Acts 20, verse 7, Paul, the context is Paul is, uh, he's, he's preaching and um, man, Paul is living the dream in this sense because the Bible says that he was going to leave this city the following day. So he decided to just preach until he couldn't preach no more. And that is like a pastor's dream right there. That's like old school church. That's like 80s church right there. You know, for all of my friends who grew up in church in the 80s and early 90s, when you had church for like five hours, Paul preached till midnight. Yeah, I didn't get no, I, I knew I was going to get no amens on that. A couple, a couple of you real religious people are like, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to say amen, right? <laughs> he preached, it says on the first day of the week that they came together to eat, to break bread, to have communion. And Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. This dude was in it. And you know that he, he was preaching and had a lot of important things to say, but, uh, the, the Bible indicates uh, Luke, Luke is a doctor, so Luke is like, chronolo- uh, you know, he's writing all the details. He said, there were a lot of lamps in the upper room, right? Because Paul just kept going and going and going, and, and we had to have some light. And he said, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was uh, sinking into a deep sleep. Come on, y'all, he was till midnight. Some of y'all, is like 30 minutes, you're out. You know what I'm talking about? This guy, this guy, Paul was going for it, and this man got so tired that he literally fell asleep in the window. And I mean, I don't know. Paul probably been going for a long time, so I'm not going to judge him too harshly. But it says he felt when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. This dude died in a church service. Right? And I mean, we're, we're kind of laughing about it. I'm sure they weren't laughing. You know, they were probably thinking, are we going to get sued or what's going to happen? This poor guy, you know, they're wanting to pray for him, wanting to do stuff. So here's what Paul does. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him and said, don't be alarmed. He's alive. Paul just resurrects the guy that dies. He's like, I've still got some sermon to preach, y'all. You ain't dying on me today. So, so the man, the, the, the boy comes back to life. It says they went, he then went upstairs again, broke bread and ate. Paul kept preaching after this. That guy died, came back to life and then had to go back up and listen to the rest of the sermon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, like he listened to the rest of the message and then they ate like nothing happened. After talking until daylight, Paul was like, well, he interrupted me. I was going to midnight. Now I'm going till daylight, going till dawn. He left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Eutychus's name means fortunate, which is kind of ironic. And I just want to say, the first thing I see is that bad things can happen in good places. So all my folks out there who have had, you know, some kind of issue uh, with, with, with church or whatever else, uh, maybe anything like that. I just want to encourage you. Bad is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. 
hang around a while, God can still do really amazing things. And that's one of the things that you see. You can get weary and distracted even if you're in the right place. I think that's important to know. And, and you can come to church, but you don't got to eat. You, you know what I mean? Like your spirit is, is going to determine what you get out of being here. And I think all too often, a lot of times we come because there's a, there's a ritual or there's a routine. And by the way, I'm thankful for, for dedication. But when you come to church, know that God has something good for you. And it might not always happen in the way that you think. Obviously, Paul preached till daylight, which is, you know, like I said, living the dream. I'm only going to go for four hours today. But he went a long time. Um, but you can, you can fall from a place you're supposed to be because of weariness. That's something else. That I see Eutychus was in, the, was in the window and he fell from a place that he should have been because he got weary in well-doing. And that's important. He got weary hearing the word. And, and I just want to say this. Somebody here, tiredness can cause you to tap out on something good. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Don't tell me he wasn't preaching something good. Right? But, but, but what happened? Well, weariness took over and it robbed Eutychus of hearing what he should have in a place that he should have. So I want to talk with you for a little bit today about identifying drowsiness. Um, and, and comfortability, Amy, Amy preached this. I'm just going to bring this down here. Comfortability can keep you in a place of drowsiness. It can lead to drowsiness when you get comfortable. You, how many of you have that chair in your house? You, you know the chair? Come on, testify now, church. You might have even named it your chair, which is not good for the marriage, but you did it anyway. Yeah, you know, I was over at somebody's house from our church this week and husband looked at me and there was a nice, comfortable barca lounger there. And he was like, that's not my chair. I said, it's not. It's sitting in your living room. He said, that's my wife's chair. <laughs> Smart man. OK, but but you have that place where you get comfortable, and I don't know about you, but you sit down for a while, you can just start, you, you can get, you can nod off pretty quick, can't you? You can get, you can get drowsy, you can get tired, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between rest and comfortability. Rest equates to greater kingdom work. I want you to hear that. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy burden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. You know that, that whole deal, yoke and rest, same thing. So rest equates to greater kingdom work. Comfortability equates to appeasement of my flesh, it's, which is opposite of what God wants for me. It's kind of the things that make me feel good uh, naturally. Rest equals, is always about something that's God-centered, and that's important. So, so, so comfortability uh, is flesh-centered. It's all about what makes me feel good. And following Jesus isn't always about what makes me feel good. Rest is God-focused. Com comfortability is me-focused. So I'm always trying to find what, what doesn't move me out of the comfort zone that I live in. You know, always, always trying to figure out what I can avoid to stay in the comfort zone. Rest never stops looking for challenges. And that's important. Rest never stops looking for challenges. It just knows how to find strength in the midst of the journey. But comfortability will always avoid challenges, things that, that make it harder, that stretch me, that grow me, that, that make me go, ugh, that's difficult, that's tough. 
rest will utilize trust in God. Let me say this. It takes a lot of trust to rest in God. Because most of the time, I don't know about you, I'm more prone to action. I like to, to try and, um, and this, is, this would be for all my type A personalities out there, you know, the people that like control. There's probably only two of you, so I know this doesn't hit most of the room, but, but just bear with the two or three of us that have these issues. Um, rest means that I really have to die to myself you know, which, which isn't so restful, but, but comfortability will always try to lean into my ability. If you think about it, I, a lot of times I can't get comfortable till I've worked it out in my flesh or feel like it's going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? But comfortability is not always about working it out. Sometimes it's about letting God and letting go. And so, so I want to, I brought this chair out because I thought Amy did such a good job. And I, sometimes I just like to sit like you guys. So I, you know, but, but more than anything, there's ways to, to indicate that, you know, in most studies, and this is, this is, this is big, um, the U.S. National Highway Safety Administration conservatively estimates that 100,000 vehicle crashes each year are directly resulting in drowsiness. Um, that, that equates to 1,550 deaths, 71,000 injuries, $12.5 billion in damage. In 2009, studies indicated that 25%, or no, 28%, so more than one in four, people drove asleep. Over 50% drove drowsy. Um, and so when you think about this, I want you to kind of figure something out. If you don't identify drowsiness, then you can be in trouble quick. Rest is not about comfortability. It's about tapping into strength that you couldn't have on your own. Are you following me? I want to, I want to kind of re, re-step the definition. So, so here's some steps to fighting drowsiness spiritually in your life. Acknowledge it. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're having a tr- trouble in your, in, your, in your health, in your finances, in your marriage, in your spiritual well-being, in your, in your fight of faith, denial is never good. It's just never good. You know, it never leads to anything good. So here's what I would say. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge I got a problem. We got a problem we got an issue, we got something that needs to take care of, I feel like I'm drifting a little bit, feel like I'm not as connected to the Lord, to his house, to his people, to whatever, acknowledge it. That's step number one. You're never going to fight drowsiness unless you acknowledge it. You know, my son, his car, um, sometimes, you know, I don't know if you stay perfectly in your lane, but occasionally if you don't in Colin's car, a coffee cup will come up and it says, time to take a break. Great. You know, sometimes you have to acknowledge when you're actually swerving a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And just go, you know, I feel like there's some swerve here. Not in a good way. There's some swerve. And, and that can happen when I'm not as alert. So the second thing you do is you, you, you stay alert. And a way to fight drowsiness is to stay alert. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's, that, that, that's important for us today. So staying alert is recognizing that I am in the walk of my life, that I am in the journey of my life, and that there's things out there that don't want, there's, there, there's forces out there that don't want me to succeed. Okay? That, that there's forces out there that would naturally mitigate my progress and naturally appeal to my flesh. All the, all the things that I don't like to do. Number three, develop some healthy rhythms and patterns of rest. And again, that's not, that's not you know, a, a healthy pattern of rest, remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago, would be being in God's presence, being with the people of God. So, so developing healthy patterns of being in God's house on Sundays, of being a part of uh, life-giving small groups, of doing things like that, is an important pattern. And you go, that's rest, that's rest. You learning and growing in the word of God, you feeling comfortable in the family of God being in his presence, that's rest. Um, bring your flesh into alignment with your spirit. We're going to hang out on this one for a minute because you have to realize that there's two parts of you. There's the part that wants to rest and then there's the part that likes a chair and wants to get comfortable. And, and that's called flesh and spirit. And, and, and your, your flesh, you will fight till the day you die. Paul mentions these two natures inside of you that war against inside of you, war against each other. And, and Jesus um, identifies this with the disciples in Matthew 26, 40 through 41. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be tried. He's about to be imprisoned. He's about to be um, beaten. He's about to, in the praetorium, then he's going to go to Golgotha and be crucified and murdered for us. Um, while he's praying, as he goes to pray, he calls three guys, Peter, James, and John, um, with him and says, hey, uh, I, want, I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to go over here. I want you to stay here. I'm going to do some business. So pray with me, right? Okay? So this is God incarnate. This is Jesus. This is the guy they've seen raise some people from the dead, walked with him for a while. He says, I want you to pray with me. And, and they say, okay, we got this. So we're going to huddle here. Jesus, you're going to go over there. You're going to pray. And, and the Bible says that Jesus went to pray. And it says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He found them sleeping. And Jesus looks and says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked who? Peter. He says, watch him pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. So, so he left, now Judas has already left him, so there's only 11 disciples at this point. He leaves eight behind in the garden, takes three, Peter, James, and John. Now these, again, are the guys that were, he, he, invited, he invited only these three to Jairus' house where he raised his daughter. He invited them to the uh, Mount of Transfiguration where literally they saw Moses and Elijah and they saw God's voice coming down in bright light and Jesus transfigured before him. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. They, they saw a lot of things. And yet, Jesus asked them to pray in the most critical hour of his life, and they fell asleep. And we're not going to judge them too harshly, but they fell asleep. There's some things that we got to know. 
And one of them is experiences with God in and of themselves won't take you to where he wants you to go. Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? No, there's got to be a daily pursuit, church. A seed of dedication that translates into a sincerely held and practiced habit that leads to intimacy with God. Are you with me today? So, so I love experiences with God. Man, his presence is so strong. If you've ever been here on, on a Sunday, first Wednesday, and open heavens, man, you know God is up in this place. It's amazing. He transform lives in a second. But if that's all you're living on, that's not going to take you where he wants you to go. There's got to be a daily pursuit of him in your life that leads to habits that build intimacy with God. And so they had had some experience, but they hadn't learned how to develop habits that take them through hard times and develop intimacy. You'll see this because they all deny Christ. Are you with me? They all leave. They all get out of Dodge when the going gets tough. They're out. And so, so Jesus says, you know, that, that they were sleeping. The Bible says they were sleeping. A metaphor, metaphorical use of that word means that they, they, they could yield to sin. They could be indifferent to their salvation. He asked Peter, why Peter? Because Peter's definitely the leader. Peter was the one of the three always with Jesus. Jesus knew the road that Peter would take. And so Jesus wanted to help Peter by praying. Are you with me? Prayer does something. Jesus is like, hey, buddy, you need to come with me and pray because you're about to go through the trial of a lifetime. You think I am? No, you are. Peter would later betray Jesus and deny him three times. And why? Because Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're going to go through this. And Peter said, surely not. Not me. No, I'm not going there. And so he looks at Peter and goes, what? You're not going there, but you can't pray one hour? Come on, my man. Like, this is, this is important. This is important. So he says, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, so watch and pray. Watch doesn't mean like, like look. It means to take heed about what's going to happen because destruction and calamity are near. So he's saying, watch, because the enemy is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking me, whom he may devour. And he says that you not fall into temptation. I find that word interesting because that can arise from our natural desire or from outward circumstances. Sometimes we fall into temptation, not because anybody tempted us, but because of what's in us. Are you with me? And so, so he's saying, watch. Watch there, but watch here. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. The Spirit is willing, meaning the Spirit will boil up. The Spirit will try, the Holy Spirit will try and come up in you and say, hey, time to go, time to pray, time to get it with it. But the flesh, the natural body is weak. That word flesh means exactly that, just your natural flesh. And you know what I realize? It's natural, it's easy. The flesh is naturally prone towards sin. That's why last night, late at night, my wife looked at me and said, are you scooping the ice cream? <laughs> yeah, it was like oatmeal, raisin, cookie dough, cinnamon, something from, from gelati. And, and I was like, yeah, I am. She didn't ask me, are you going to go, like, peel me an orange? Nah. Ain't nobody got time for that. At 11 o'clock at night, what were we doing? Well, well, I was in bed eating ice cream. That just comes natural, baby. You don't have to work for that. You just go and do it. And, and, and I did it with vigor. In fact, I was scraping the bottom. You know what I'm saying? 
See, we all tend in our natural self, we all tend towards unhealth, right? I've said this before. Most of us don't wake up in the morning and go, gee whiz, I lost 10 pounds. We just don't. Why? Because in our sin nature, we'll always tend towards unhealth. And I remember that. Amy, Amy's talked a little bit about this. Sometimes we run together. It's very rare that we run together because Amy's competitive. I'm competitive. And so we run separately. It's better for our marriage. But y'all think I'm joking. But uh, I noticed some things when I would run early on. And, and, and I've been doing it for a while, so I kind of know my body and my, like, what works. But when I'm fatigued, I always, the first thing that happens is I lose posture. I want you to hear this. You lose posture, right? So your core is really important because it keeps you upright. I will always lean forward because I'm tired. But when you lean forward, it, it, it cramps your rib cage and it makes it harder to breathe, number one. It makes you look down, which, which always hurts you because you'll naturally keep going where you're looking. That's a whole nother sermon. That one's free of charge. That's just a little tidbit. But you'll always go where you're looking. Just hear that. And, and, and what will happen is when you lean forward, it puts a lot of pressure on your quads and your back. And so because your body is naturally trying to keep you upright. So if you're going miles after miles after miles, eventually what you're doing is you're fatiguing yourself more because you didn't have the muscle and the discipline to stay up and because it's the first thing to go. And so what I want to try and communicate to you in all of this is that running in your posture towards God, right? If your posture towards God isn't right, then everything else is going to seem a lot harder. It'll all fall apart if that isn't right. And so it's important for you to know those things because Jesus is saying, hey, there's something inside of you that will always try to lead you towards the right. That's the spirit of God. And, and, if you, can, and you can learn to hear him. I just want to encourage everybody here. You can learn to hear the Holy Spirit. But there's also something naturally that usually speaks louder for a while until you learn to hear that other voice that will always lead you towards unhealth and will always lead you towards self-soothing. It will always lead you towards the chair. It will always lead you towards comfortability. And the chair isn't necessarily rest. The chair can be you getting stuck in a place that God never intended. Are you following me today? So I want to talk with you today about the rest that you're actually looking for. It comes through four words. Connection, they're all C words. I tried to make it easy. Cookies on the bottom shelf. Connection, conformity, com commitment, and contentment. Connection, conformity, commitment, and contentment. Connection has a few elements to it. Devotion with God. Devotion with God is connection with Him. When you find rest, you'll always find it in connection. So, so here's what that means. Devotion is all about reading your Bible every day so you can have your mind renewed. The Bible says the Word of God washes you. I don't know if you realize this, but the world we live in will always put dirt in our brains. Are you with me? 
Always. It's just, it just, again, just comes naturally. What we see, what we hear, people around, what people around us do. So reading the Bible helps renew our mind. And if you, if you need a mindset change, read the Word of God. If you need a perspective change, which will translate into an attitude change, read the Word of God. Prayer is about having my will restored to God's. Prayer every day. Prayer is not about getting God to do what I want. It's about me aligning with Him. We always think of prayer as the result of what God does. We never think of prayer as to what God does in us. Right? Man, that was good. Let prayer move your heart in line with God's so that you can then... You know, the, the more you pray, the better you'll get at it. The more I pray, the better I'll get at it. And a lot of us go, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Trust me. The more you do it, the, more you, the better you'll get at it. You know why? Because as you pray, God will align your heart with his, and you'll begin to pray the things he wants you to, not the things you wanted to. Are you with me? So this will help you. Worship is so critical. And, and listen, guys, I, uh, those of you that know me, those of you that sit around me know that I have the worst voice in this church. But, but I will worship no matter what. And worship is about having your values and your priorities and your purpose realigned. When you can exalt God over your stuff, when you can practice that discipline of exalting God over everything else, and, and I have to be honest with you, if you have a mind that just keeps going and going, this is a very hard thing to do. But, but, but if you can slow it down and worship God over trying to figure out how he's going to solve the problem, you'd be surprised at what he downloads into you. Like, I love worship because worship's the gift that keeps on giving. When I do that with God, he gives me way more in return. I leave with peace and joy and an assurance that it's in his hands. Because I just lifted him above my problem. And I put my eyes on him instead of it. Are you, you following me? I'm just trying to give you some really good practical stuff here today that can help you with devotion. Um, listening to God and having your heart repositioned, that's another one. Prayer isn't always about talking, it's about listening. Finally, developing faith and having your vision restored is important. That's devotion. That's, that's connection with God. The other part of connection with God that a lot of people don't realize is your service to him. What you'll never, it, it's hard to be more like Jesus than when you're giving and serving. Just is. So, so take your place in God's house. I love this passage of scripture. It comes from, from Proverbs 18.1. It says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. But he who he rages against all wise judgment. He rages against all wise judgment. Do we have that there? Put that up if we've got that. I don't know if we do or not. He rages against all wise judgment. Why that's important is because when you're isolated and not connected, what, what ends up happening is um, if judgment is a wall, if wise judgment is a wall keeping you from bad judgment, then, then the person that isolates himself knocks down the wall, separating you from, from bad things. Are you with me? Don't isolate. There's safety in the house of God and in the multitude of counsel. So, so, so service to God in his house, taking your place in your vocation. There, God has stuff for you to do in your job. 
It's a platform for his kingdom. It's a platform for you to extend his kingdom. Taking your place in your family. There's, I could say a lot about that. I'm not going to today. But that connection piece will give you rest. It'll give you rest. Conformity will give you rest. And conformity is all about obedience to God and his word. So, so there was a king in Israel named Saul. He was tormented because he was outside of the will of God. In fact, David gets introduced, King David gets introduced as a young boy to the palace because he served Saul in his house and plays worship music to God in Saul's presence so that Saul can find some relief from his tormented mind and spirit. Why? Why was his mind tormented? Here's, here's what I want to say. Saul only experienced relief, never rest, because he wouldn't submit to God. Oh! Don't confuse rest with relief. Those two things are not even close to the same. You can, rest is not always relief. I can be completely and totally at rest and at peace and be the most productive I've ever been and be going through difficult things. Relief is all about what soothes me and gets me out of whatever condition I'm in, even if it's something that God wants me in. The three Hebrew boys would have found relief had they stepped out of the furnace, but God didn't want them out of it. He wanted them in it. They had rest in it. They weren't struggling. In fact, everything that held them, bound them, fell off in rest, not relief. So Saul only found relief, which was temporary, never rest, because he never submitted to God's will. And I'm telling you, even Samuel said it's hard to, to I don't want to use that analogy because I have to explain it too much. Saul never found it because he never submitted. Church, can I tell you, there are some things in our lives, you might say, hey, I'm following Jesus, but there might be some lack of rest in your life because there's an area that you just haven't let go of. Just haven't said, Jesus, you're Lord of this area too. And so you're, you're trying to experience some relief, but never rest. And rest is all about submitting to God's word and his process and his way. So God was gracious enough to have David, a man after his own heart, play for Saul to give him some relief. But the reality is relief should have led to rest in Saul's life. He should have said, man, that feels good. I need to follow that, but never did. And he never did because he was so prideful and pursuing his own way. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What did I say? What did I say? Rest is all about utilizing trust didn't I? So when I can trust God, 
when I can say your way is better, your system is better, your system of handling money and stewardship is better in my life than mine, your system of handling relationships and purity are better than the way that I do it, your, your way, your system of forgiveness is better than my holding grudges, your, the way that you do this is better than the way I am. And even though I don't understand it, even though my flesh doesn't find relief, my spirit finds rest. And obeying. I'm just trying to help a brother out tonight. Come on, help a, help a sister out today. Find a rest. See, anointing will always come from the head down. Anointing comes from the head down. They anointed the head first. So think about this. When I'm not in alignment with God, I will always miss out on the anointing. The anointing is this supernatural empowerment and favor of God that breaks through every obstacle. So, so, so if you're not in alignment with authority, then you'll never have anointing. Hear me now. So if I'm not submitted to God's word, then I'll never find a release that comes in rest, right? I might live in his mercy with relief for a time, but I'll never live and his empowerment with rest. That's really important for us today because I've been in both places. You, you, you won't have grace for that journey. Commitment. Commitment's essential to rest. James 1, 6-8 says, But when you ask God, you must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man shouldn't think they, that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. I have no rest in instability. But if I'm committed to Christ, then I will have rest even when I don't see the product of my labors yet. See, Rest comes through sure-footed action. It comes from guiding, letting him guide you in paths of righteousness. It's a commitment to follow his will, his ways, and his word. Hey, I know your way is better, so I'm committing to it now. The last is contentment, the fourth C. Psalm 16:5 through 6 says this, Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. So surely I have a delightful inheritance. Can I just tell you today, this will set you free. If God assigns, then God secures. You don't have to fight to secure what God already assigned for you. Hear me. You've assigned, God has assigned your, your life, every day of it, to you. Every victory, every hard-fought battle, every challenge, everything to grow you in your faith. Every, every, every mountaintop moment, every valley experience. He's assigned your portion and your cup. He's assigned your effectiveness. He's assigned your, your, your impact, your ability, all of those things, even your gifting. So the boundary lines fall in pleasant places, right? So you have a delightful inheritance. If God assigns, then he secures. Recognize who's doing the assigning. 
you are God. See, contentment has always been about recognizing boundaries. If I recognize boundaries in my relationships and I learn to be content in them, if I'm always comparing, then I'm always going to go outside of what God intended. If I'm, if I'm comparing my lifestyle to that of others, then I'll never find contentment, which will steal my joy. But if I realize, God, you've assigned my lot and my boundaries. I can learn your ways and grow, but you've assigned this to me. So, so, so I need to rest in what you've given me, not try and strive for what you haven't. Striving for things outside of his will always puts you in a place of worry. It'll always put you in a place of worry. If you're worried today, it could be because we're reaching for things outside of what he's already planned for us. Let it go. Let it go. It's, out, it's over the boundary line. Know where your boundary lines are. Know, where, know, know, know where, where God has called you. I want to help you today, church. And so I want you to rest with the best. You'll be more productive than you've ever been if you know how to rest in God. You, you, you will recognize the difference between your effort in soothing and relief and His effort in challenging and rest. And you'll find grace and anointing for your life and what He's called you to. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of weariness. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of heaviness. It's the anointing that... That, that wills and acts into you to, to perform God's purpose for your life. It's the anointing that makes difficult seem easy. It's the anointing. God said, hey, David said, with you I can bend a bow of bronze. With you I can advance against a troop. With you I can scale a wall. All the things that seem impossible for me with you and your anointing seem so easy all of a sudden. Why? I can move in your grace because I'm, I'm in alignment with who you are. Are you with me today on this? Man, I'm trying to, trying to give you something good today. And I just pray that you take one of these C's. Can we put those C's up again? The contentment, come on. Con it, contentment, conformity, commitment, and connection. Oh, connection. If you do, it may be just one thing today, do some connection. Just say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just break that word out every day. Take the seven day challenge. Every day I'm reading, every day I'm praying. Maybe I put on a little worship music, whatever it is. But I want to get God in my spirit, my soul for the day. If you do that, I'm telling you, rest is not far behind. It's not far behind. Man, I'm so happy you showed up to church today. Can you give God a hand? Come on, can we give, make his name great today? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Would you bow your heads with me today? I want a prayer team to come. Maybe some of you need rest in your spirit, rest in your soul. What I really want to pray for today is I know there's people here today that, that maybe don't know rest because they don't know Jesus. There's always people that know rest, don't know Jesus. They don't know those things. And, and the only way you really find rest is through Christ. You're not going to find it through having the perfect bank account or the perfect career or the perfect family because those things don't exist. But you will find it through Jesus. And if you're watching online today in this place, I just want to appeal to you as though Christ was talking to you. That's what the Bible says, as though we may, he's making our appeal through us. I just want to appeal to you and submit to you that, 
that you don't have to keep running that race. There's a new race and there's a grace for that race. And it's a race that only comes through Christ. And if you would like to have forgiveness of sin today, if you'd like to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you'd like to have abundant and eternal life, I would like to invite you into that relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship, but it starts with a confession that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of grace. And we've all been there, trust me. So today I'm going to say a prayer. Our church is going to join with me. And as we say that prayer at the end of it, I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge that you said it. It's important that you do that. If you're online, you can hit the button that says, I, I said that prayer and somebody will be with you. But today, could we do that? Because this is the most critical moment of your life. It won't be the other moments. It won't be the moments preceding it. It'll be this moment, this moment where you said yes to Jesus and you had sin forgiven, where you were saved from hell and brought into heaven. And that's a critical moment. So let's ask God to do something in us that we can't do for ourselves. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me today of all of my sin. I turn to you and I repent. I ask you to come into my life, Jesus. I surrender to you and I make you my Lord and Savior. I thank you for paying a price I couldn't when you went to the cross. I thank you for rising, coming back to life so that I could have abundant and eternal life. I give my life to you today and promise to serve you. Thank you for saving me and washing me clean, for giving me a new start in Jesus' name. So that prayer you meant it in your heart.
Raise your hand right now. I just want to celebrate with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.